0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: We are live here on another episode of the A-Side Live Chat. It is, of course, Friday. I believe it's May. Yes, May 1st. So first episode of May. Uh, Joining me this Friday is AK Lee of MMA Fighting, Our cameraman and producer, uh, Casey Lydon, and joining us this week, we've had many UFC uh, and non-UFC fighters on the show in recent weeks. I know we've been trying to do this three times a week during quarantine time, but we haven't had a fighter on in a long time that actually has a fight scheduled uh, since this pandemic started. So the man of the hour is, of course, UFC heavyweight contender Ben Rothwell. Ben, before we get into the fan questions, I first have to ask, how has life been in quarantine for you up in the great state of Wisconsin?
2: it been a bit of a roller coaster ride uh, just because I had to close my gym down and just seeing all the people that have been affected by it. Uh, for me personally, it's not been so bad. Uh, NEO 2 came out right about when the quarantine started, so I jammed out on that for two weeks. Um, and my training has been pretty good. I have a personal gym. Uh, that's in my my trainers and everybody's been able to come to me, and uh, I've been able to use the MMA gym. You know, there's less than ten of us, so life's been somewhat normal. But outside of that, the just seeing the grocery stores and the public and see what everybody is, and it's pretty crazy. You know, just this is something that's never happened in our whole history. And hope it. Uh, hope you get the economy back soon. It's kind of scary now you, you do
1: have a fight lined up has it been like like you've mentioned you're fighting you, your life yourself has been fairly normal and you're in camp and you are to you are able to train but with everything you're witnessing going on outside of fighting like you've brought up the grocery stores uh, uh the real world is going through a pandemic and uh, an mma uh people may turn to for uh what, what's the word? Uh, a distraction, but they're nonetheless a thing going on in the world. Has it been difficult for yourself to focus on a fight camp during this pandemic?
2: The hardest part is I was supposed to fight one guy for mm-hmm. April 18th, you know, in, in the middle of March. Pretty much. I, I, I knew ahead of time that uh, Boante was from New York and uh, I would called my manager and everybody. and am like, I don't think this guy is going to be able to fight. And they're like, no, no, just, just stay ready, stay ready. And then it can, you know, he couldn't fight. You know, he, he eventually said, there's no way uh, New York's like shut down. I can't train. So I wasn't mad. I was just like, you know, going to find somebody. Then UFC canceled all the events. Uh, it's just a lot of limbo, you know, and they but my manager was still like, you got to stay ready. They're, they're going to try and do a show. And I'm like, how are they going to do a show in this? Uh, I got a call it they were going to do something in May, and uh, I was uh, matched up against Marie Screen. I was just like, "Whatever, you know, it's a fight." Uh, wasn't exciting, but you know, it's a fight, and uh, it was cool that the UFC was still going to try and do a show. So I was trying to like stay focused. So luckily, I kept training, but that felt that fight fell through, and uh, then just uh, what a week ago. I mm-hmm. Matched up with OSP. At least I got a fight. Uh, I think it's a bigger fight than the other two, but it's been a roller coaster ride. You know, am I fighting? Am I not fighting? Three different opponents. Where am I fighting? That was the biggest thing: is where are these fights going to take place?
3: So. Uh, ben, how weird is it when you got the OSP call? Because you got—you must have seen that name I mean, you may be like, wait a minute, this guy isn't even in my division. Well, how, how did this name come up? So what, what was your reaction when you saw there was a light heavyweight that was coming up to accept a fight with you?
2: I had already went through that with the first opponent from Volante. Oh, Volante so I already went through all those emotions of these guys are moving up the heavyweight. They think the heavyweights suck or John Jones is <laughs> beating everybody. They're running from me. So I kind of got over it. I see that guys like Daniel Cormier and, you know, even go farther back, Randy Couture. I think they really open the door for guys in that weight class, that weight area, to fight wherever, you know, up and down.
3: What? Why do you think that is? You said that you said that these guys think that uh, that the heavyweights suck. Uh, why do you think that is? What? Why do you think that uh, that these light heavyweights are kind of coming up and, and thinking that I don't know if some of you guys are going to be easy pickings or what? Why? What's the deal with that?
2: Technically, from what I can see, it's what Dan, what, uh, why uh, Curtis Blades is having so much success, and I, I feel like uh, it's a wrestling, it's a ground, it's a jiu-jitsu thing. I feel like a lot of the heavyweights, it's the old old rule of first heavyweight to get a takedown wins the fight. That's that was the old huh. saying back in early two thousand. I don't know if much has changed. I mean, you got you got your couple of guys that are okay, but I think for the most part, it's a speed factor. I feel like. The guys at the 220, 230 feel like they have an advantage, they can go up or down, and they feel like, look what Randy Couture did, you know what I mean? He was really good at getting his takedowns, he'd wear guys down, he could beat the bigger guy. And I think uh, some of that stands true. Um, but you got you got guys, you got to be careful at heavyweight, and uh, of course there's always the power factor. I think all the heavyweights down the board bring a danger factor that doesn't exist in any other weight class.
3: Do you think? uh, Do you think someone like John Jones, like he keep, you know, people keep talking about him coming up? Do you think he'll have a lot of different? He himself has said he's worried about the stuff that happens at heavyweight. So he, I don't think he's overlooking the division. But when you see someone like him, do you think his skill set immediately translates, and that he he could, you know, would be a favored fighter uh, up at heavyweight?
2: I I think wherever John Jones fights, he's John Jones. He's gonna, he's gonna bring a, a level. He's gonna bring a what's the word? So that bring a lot of hype. You know what I mean? The guy has skills that can win anywhere. I feel like a guy like Tony Ferguson, Habib. I feel like these guys could win. They could beat guys bigger than them. I feel like this kind of exists everywhere. I think it's something Fedor always showed over the years. It doesn't matter your size. You're a badass. You're gonna win a fight. You know, if somebody pushes your wife down in front of you, are you gonna go, "Oh, what's your weight class?" and you know, <laughs> give me a couple weeks to get ready? No, you fight. That's what a real fighter does. He'll win wherever against whoever it is. Well,
1: I, I think even looking back on your career, I believe you have fights against Chris Ostrosinski, uh, Brandon Vare, like you, you brought up, Vellante. Like you specifically, why do you think they match you up with these light heavyweights that want to come up or even heavyweights that eventually go back down?
2: <clears throat> In the past, it just, I'm not sure, it just happened. Circumstances. I, I think that's kind of what it is now mm-hmm. um, this right now, especially they had to find fighters in the United States. So that cut, cut it down. They had a list of six heavyweights. We talked to five of them they were injured you know, or they, they didn't have enough time to get ready, whatever it was. Maurice took the fight then Maurice pulled out. So I think it really just came down to OSB said he even had an idea. It was like, if you want to fight, this is the fight. And he, uh, uh, I think him and Vellante, I think it's a weight cutting issue more than anything. I think they're looking at. I just want to fight. I I can you know I can fight whoever. I don't have to cut the weight. That's the biggest factor.
1: Yeah, but we had Sarah Ka- Kaufman on a few shows ago, and she was saying she hopes everyone fights higher up. Considering when you cut weight, you're probably more susceptible to bacteria catching a virus or anything like that. So I, I think I think you're you're right on the money with that. Uh, but, of course, this is not our show. This is the fan show. I'm sure they have a million questions for Ben. Uh, I don't know why this popped into my head, but you fought in IFL, if I'm not mistaken, correct, for a lot of fights. And just coincidentally, there was a long thread of, of uh, fans' memories uh, from the IFL. So before we get into the fan questions, I want to ask you specifically, because I have fond memories of watching the IFL. What were some of your uh, fondest memories from competing in that organization?
2: 15-second knockout of... Chris I was hoping you I was hoping you would say that. I was actually going to post the video and be like, I taught Conor McGregor how to beat Aldo. Because it's very similar. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was, uh,
1: that was uh, uh, not my ticket into MMA, but that got me back into it uh, after a while. I love that promotion so much. So I'm actually even more happy to speak to you uh, this episode. But Casey, our producer behind Oh, wait.
3: The can I ask, ask Ben... Were you involved at all with the IFL rap? I can't remember the, I can't, I can't remember the video exactly, but I'm sure you've seen the <laughs> IFL rap. Were you involved with that? Did you wish you were?
2: <laughs> that video so bad. I'm very thankful to not be a part of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no i forgot i forgot about that oh my oh. gosh but casey do we have the man the man behind <laughs> the scenes we have any
0: questions for mr ben rothwell uh, yes yeah, so we do um actually i'm gonna go to a youtube question we got right now from aaron jackson <laughs> ben are you going to hit the
1: go-go choke in your next fight yes you are famous for the go-go choke i believe you caught josh barnett and matt matreon with that choke uh, so uh, talk about the choke and is uh, how it's set up and everything. And to answer Aaron's uh, Jackson's question, are you going to hit it <laughs> in your next fight?
2: It's all about opportunity, man. You know, it's what presents itself. Uh, you you don't force a knockout; it happens. Uh, Chocolate El said it best: when you try to force a knockout, it never happens. So when it comes to you, you take it. The submission game's the same way. I don't force anything. I take what I'm given. That's usually when I'm fighting my best.
1: Casey, have you ever practiced the go-go choke yourself in camp or while
0: you're training? Oh, right, right in these mats right here. No, no, I'm 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 way too um novice for such an advanced move. <laughs> I know. I remember um we actually interviewed you maybe it was after your Barnett win. I think we tried to ask you the same question. You were like, no, 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 secrets. Those are secrets. <laughs> But I think you 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 threw it on. I think um I think I mean, you might put it on Ariel for like maybe like half a second just uh just to kind of give him a just a taste of what these well, guys. Well, they are
2: want doing. a detailed explanation yeah. of how I do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pieces
2: to guillotine so Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Go Keep thinking that. Have you seen anyone else use this
1: use your signature choke since you've since you started to implement it in the octagon, like an opposing fighter that maybe you're watching a fight and he had an opportunity, or if he actually hit it the right way?
2: I see lots of opportunities, but you know, nobody, nobody knows. Luis, Luis is something Luis came up with. Hicks and Gracie asked Luis, what is this? You know, wow. that's pretty that's pretty awesome.
1: Huh. Wow. So we have the Von Flu choke and the Gogo choke facing Bam. off yeah. in the battle. <laughs> Thank
0: you, Aaron Jackson, for your question. I was hoping somebody would ask about that joke. Actually, I want to ask about the Von Flu choke. Um, to Ben, like what what makes OSP so successful in him um, landing that so often? Is it just the his opponents just not paying attention, or is it, is it his body shape, or what what do you think it is?
2: Well, it's a big guy to have a shoulder point into your throat so we we've had the we've had the choke we've been working on it um it he gets people that commit they don't know any better and they try to go for a guillotine or they put their arm around the back of his head and if he locks it up he says there isn't a way out and i would like to show him not in the fight afterwards i'll show him (laughs) but it's brutal if you don't know what you're doing that choke's gonna it's gonna end you uh he's a big guy that he gets up on his toes and he puts that shoulder into your throat and if you don't know what you're doing which if you look at his last the four guys that he caught in it uh, they were they didn't have any clue mm-hmm. he had glover Textera in it pretty deep too but glover got his arm out and uh you know reversed it and ended up winning that fight but uh even Glover, for a second, you could see it was like a look of surprise. Like, how did I, how did I get? Here? Why am I here? How did I get here? Mm-hmm. So he's good at it. He's, he's good. I see his setups. Uh, definitely something to look out for. Okay. All
0: right. Who got a question? Let me. Uh, here we go. From Jones eats Cormier don't, on no, the site. Don't
2: call me Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking I'm crossing off this question. <laughs>
3: That's a no, no. That's a big Man. no, no. That's a
2: big my birth no. Birth certificate no. says Ben, so I got to wrap my name. Wow. Anyway, I forgive you. Says, Joel so, Joel. so hello Ben. Joel. Which Joel.
1: MMA fighter <laughs> did you always want to fight but never got the chance?
2: Oh boy. Uh Right now right now it's Stepe. I was supposed to fight yeah. Steve. He got injured, and it didn't happen. It's a huge fight. It would have been a great fight then. Uh, he's he's kind of high ranked now, so it's gonna take some work for me to get there. But that's the plan.
1: That was supposed to be on the Dublin card, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Sir, yeah, that would have been a banger. Oh.
3: A lot of people say like uh, Fedor as usually the go-to answer. I think for a lot of heavyweights. Um, any of those pride guys like Fedor come to mind, Ben, when you think about fantasy fights that, that could happen?
2: Sure. Fedor is a legend. And uh had I beat Andre Olaski in or affliction, I was gonna get the fight. I was gonna get to fight him. So that's my fault. I blew it. I blew it, man. I I choked against Andre two times.
0: Oh. Were you at that fight, Casey? I was. I was. Uh that the uh at the Honda Center. That was when um yeah. that was when uh Fedor fought Tim Sylvia? Yes, sir. Yeah. How was that, that
3: so Ben were you already kind of sizing him up or, or, I mean most I, I know you know you're a veteran you probably try not to look ahead of your opponent but was there that part of you that was like because you said you knew if you'd beat Narlovsky was there a little bit in your in your head thinking like oh man what if what if it happens and, and how, how would I match up with Fedor
2: yeah it was part of the plan always is look at the top guys and that's who you got to imagine you're fighting
0: mm-hmm.
2: don't look at chumps so Fedor was always the like the measurement stick you know, if you have to fight Fedor, how are you going to beat him? So you're always trying to figure that out. And it was you got to be well-rounded, you know. And obviously, I think one of Fedor's weaknesses is bigger guys that were able to pass his guard gave him a lot of problems. So I would add to uh, been well-rounded when I fought him.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you? S- do you put Fedor at the top of the list of greatest heavyweights ever? I know a lot of people kind of put Stepe and Kane and Daniel Cormier in that conversation, but for a lot for
2: pretty much a decade, Fedor, it was Fedor Fedor is above Kane for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's just nah, mm-hmm. I'm not kind to gun on the guy. That's always pissed me off that you give him so much hype. He fought Bigfoot Silva. He fought Junior he fought Junior dos Santos, he fought Bigfoot Silva in a period of what it's like 5 years is something mm-hmm. just retarded and he was the greatest heavyweight. Ever. I, it just blows my mind. Like what are you talking about? A to his credit defended the belt more than anybody. That's you know the guy is up there. He's definitely earned his dues. is on his way. He's I think on his way he keeps going. He's going to be up there with Fedor but but Fedor for, for you have to live in that time frame to understand that Fedor was the the man. You know what I mean? That was for that period of time he destroyed Nigero was the pride champion. You know what I mean? He was so back then the pride fighters were the best, so to speak. And Fedor came in there and smashed him and smashed everybody and went undefeated for a long, long time. So for, for the amount of years that Fedor held everybody off and was the champ and undisputed, you know, he's he's always gonna he should yeah, definitely. One of, you know, all times. But right now, it's, uh, I'd say, between Fedor and Stipe.
1: And where do you put, where do you slot Daniel Cormier into that conversation? I know he's had a lot of success at light heavyweight, too, but he does have that knockout win over Stipe. He's up
2: there. I mean, he's up up number, number three. It's a battle between him and Stipe if this third fight happens because they both got win on each other. So, Daniel, Daniel's done some great things, too. I mean, he's up there.
3: Ben, uh, I like that you gave such a fair, objective answer because because you fought Kane So I, I would I would have thought this was your opportunity to just go like you know what I shared the, this is the guy I shared the cage with. This guy's the best. Uh, I don't think anyone would have blamed you if you had said that. I know some fighters again like you know like to like to say that they fought the best and you know just kind of not worry too much about guys that they didn't have the chance to fight. But you kind mm-hmm. of uh, you you really gave you really gave a real answer there. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you
1: for Joan, the question, Jonesy. It's Cormier, and it's Ben, not Benjamin, just a yeah. reminder. Yeah, that's that's a
0: warning. That's a warning, guys. You get <laughs> Every See, question don't. says Benjamin from here on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're going to change your title, your graphic, too. Yeah. Uh, here we go. It's uh, a question from YouTube comments. From
1: Maria Gronin, after what fight were you the happiest and why? Interesting question.
2: Mm-hmm. Knocking out Shazinski in 15 seconds. 15 <laughs> really?
0: Seconds.
2: No, I'm just. <laughs> I, one of my interviews recently, I think before Struve, I said I don't get happy very much. But I do like knocking people out, it does make me um,
3: So, uh, uh, what. Sorry, but at what point in the process, kind of following up with this long question, are, are you happy? Is, is it during uh, I, I don't know. Would it be during training? Definitely not during weight cutting. Uh, but I mean, if you say you when you knock people out, but like what else? It, it, in the fight itself, do you consider yourself to be happy at all?
2: It, after the job's done, I'm getting my hand raised. That's the moment. That's all the blood, sweat, tears, you know, for that. No, nothing. To get, I mean, I like uh, Brian Schaub, but that was an awesome knockout because it was such a critical time for me. I was in a really, really bad spot. Probably was even getting in to get cut if I lost again. And not only was it a needed win, but man, did the memes that came out after oh. were hilarious.
1: I don't think he can tweet anything with that without that gift popping up man. beneath. His, his in his mentions he could be I'm doing a stand-up in LA so-and-so and like one of the top mentions is always the gif of you knocking him out it's up there with with whenever Bisbing or Rockle tweet something it's always a battle between fans in the comment section so you're in that 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 rare group where no matter their opponent even though you fought years ago will be tied to them forever
2: and that's what makes me like him even more because he has all a reason to be hateful and he's always super cool to me He's always very respectful, and, uh, you know, I got to get, like, look with him, though. He's, he's I feel like he's being successful outside of fighting, so mm-hmm. props to him. He's doing a great job. But that was a good one.
1: Thank you for the question, Maria Gronin. Uh, th-
2: he's going to be like, how could you not talk about Alistair Overeem knockout, but... I got cool. I got moments, man. I got moments.
1: <laughs> so what were your? So if
2: you had, if no one's
1: ever watched, if no one's ever watched Ben Rothwell fight, uh, and you need to give them three fights to really show them everything, like to, to define your fight career, what three performances or fights in general would you show?
2: Alex Star Overeem and Josh Burnett, or uh, two, just those two shows them a mixed martial artist. I submitted the best submiss- submission artist. I knocked out a knockout artist. Those are the two fights.
3: Uh, still the only fighter ever to, uh, submit Josh Barnett, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but, uh, that, that is, that is the fact.
2: When I retweeted this, there was a question and it goes, Hey, you said we've seen nothing yet. Have we seen it yet? Someone answered, yeah. I, I said that after I submitted, uh, Matt Matreon, I followed that up with submitting Josh Barnett, which no one had ever seen before. So there you go, buddy. And that. <laughs> that submission over Josh Barnett, didn't he just come up? He had that big win
1: at Metamoris, if I'm not mistaken. So he was like declaring himself the Metamoris heavyweight champion of the world. And then right away, the turnaround got submitted by you. Did he ever declare you the Metamoris
2: heavyweight champion of the world? No, but it was Dean Lister, I think, too. Right? Yes, it correct. was a big win. But Josh is I've always, you know, been super respectful with. It was a tough fight for me because it was like fighting like an older brother. Uh, But once the cage door shuts, you know, eyes turn red, get it done.
0: Did you and Josh train together or just just because you guys have been in the been in the game so long?
2: Just in the game so long. Yeah. Tim Sylvia trained with him. Tim Sylvia actually said before we hadn't seen each other in a couple of years. But Tim was like, oh, Ben's in trouble. (laughs) I was gonna get smashed I was like You fat fuck (laughs) Wow That was a good F you to him too (laughs) No love for the Josh No love Him Like They went and trained And Apparently Josh submitted him Like 15 times In like 10 minutes And so He was pretty scared of him No love for the maniac (laughs) He had some good times But I don't know. Mike he said something. Mike Susanolovich. We used to all train together. He made some comments online. I'm not even a part of it. And Tim jumps on and starts talking shit about me. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I didn't say anything
3: about you, you slob. <laughs> we'll fall off the fuck. <laughs> oh my. Well, this is this is your chance to fire yeah. <laughs> back. I'm glad that we had you
0: on because yeah, should be you should be able to defend yourself. Is that, is, is that someone you, you wanted to fight ever? Like when he was still fighting? It did. It it did. did. When did you oh, you did? Oh, when did you fight him? You had like two billion fights.
2: Three-round fight, man.
0: Wow. Yeah. 2001. I fought
2: him. Get this. 2001. I fought him in the Quad Cities where he was training oh. at the local nightclub that he went to. And the three judges were his training partners. So, ah. <laughs> thank you, Cox. It was, it was, it was Ben's
1: fifth career fight in Davenport, Iowa, uh-huh. August 2001. So uh, don't blame you if you missed that one on the on the topology sheet, Casey. You uh, know, <laughs> I, uh,
0: I had to scroll so far down to see that one. That was oh my goodness, 2001, and, and
2: uh, things weren't recorded well back then. That was my eighth pro fight, and they don't. So I actually got a few more wins. they don't know about
0: really truth. Mm-hmm. How, many, well, let's get... how many of your fights do you remember? I mean, if if, like, do you remember your, your, your amateur fight against Mike Hall? I
2: remember every single fight.
0: You do. Wow.
2: Yeah, you want me to tell you about that fight? Please yeah. do.
0: That was from, uh, yeah, go paint, for it.
2: Sorry. I come in. I'm, you know, I'm 19 years old. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Sorry. My call was in, uh, Indi- was in uh, Indianapolis, or uh, it was uh, Fort Worth, right? Sorry. I'm just I'm sitting here telling you I remember them all. I do. <laughs> so it was a long drive because I was still in high school. That's right. It was my senior year. I was still in high school, and Ron Faircloth and Pat O'Malley drove me to it. I had a lot of my parents, they didn't know what I was doing yet. So we drive down there, and we go to Wayans. And I'm scared because this is my – Get this. My second night of fighting. It's my third fight. Second night of fighting. Jesus. So we get there, and Mike call is weighing in, and we weigh in, and he's this big. He looks like Tank Abbott, but not as fat, and as tall as me. So, the dude's as a twenty-year-old dude, it's pretty scary. You know, I'm, I'm in high school, and we don't say anything. We weigh in, and we go out to the parking lot, and his brother yells out the parking lot. You're gonna lose. I went motherfucker, and I went, to and I went to my feet. Up. That's it. I ended up knocking him out in 17 seconds. That, that's, wow! Right, that's So 17 wow. seconds.
0: Um, do you have it up. Th- th- it just has a win. It doesn't. There were no actual no stopwatches back then. <laughs> it was
2: 17 <laughs> seconds knockout. I stopped around the cage and then my reward was to fight this guy named Ron Fairclaw. So yeah, Ron didn't bring me cause I had to fight Ron. So I thought yeah. <laughs> I had to fight Ron that night, but at the time Ron was a masonry worker right out of his mind. And before this show started, Ron came walking in concrete falling off of his boots, dude veins, dude, whatever. And I go to my buddy and I go, I hope he's not. I hope he's not in the tournament. <laughs> He was. And the guy he was supposed to fight ended up having like a heart attack seizure. So Ron got a bye. So I knock out Mike Hall and then had to fight Ron. Which I which I beat. Yep, there he is. (laughs) We ended up becoming training partners after that fight.
3: God man.
2: Guys, that man was scary, let me tell you.
3: MMA. Uh, I just want to say, uh, unfortunately, Ben's I was just quickly looking, Ben's fight with Tim Sylvia is not on YouTube, so uh, we, unfortunately, we cannot judge for ourselves and do a little robbery, robbery review of the fight, but I, I will uh, <laughs> definitely take uh, take Ben's word for it. That there was something fishy going on with the judging pool.
2: There was something fishy, um, but he and won hopefully.
3: the
2: fight. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> sure. though, he won the fight. I'll give him I mean, uh, okay. you watch the whole thing. It just was stupid that I'm fighting a guy who's the judges are his training partners you know it was just such a bad time bizarre Stupid. guess on what they got paid for that 15
0: minute war <laughs> uh 50 bucks 500 uh, e- a meal talk, a man. meal oh i've heard that name in a while <laughs> yeah
2: 250 bucks and he gave it to me and he says don't spend it all in one place <laughs> <laughs> And
1: you uh, you fought Travis Fulton, right? If I'm not mistaken, you're one of the, yeah, you're one of the four thousand people that's fought him. Can you believe he's still fighting? I that is, wow. I think his last fight was in 2019.
2: Unreal. He's like a circus performer.
1: Oh yeah, there's a our, there's an interesting article of him on the Athletic where they interview him and he's talking about fights he's had like five five fights in one night. Uh, there's like a story where. Every he's fought in the same guy like nine times because whenever his opponent falls out, he calls this guy saying, "Hey, seven times the charm, man. Come on down to the bar." And then they just fight there, and he wins every time. So that's going to show you Travis falling right there. But man, good lord, fought him twice. Do you remember both fights?
2: Yeah, the first one was in Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, I ended up putting him in a kimura and he one of the rare rare times he didn't continue said i hurt his arm and uh that wasn't normal for him and then i fought him in the ifl and i put him in a kimura again and he didn't want to tap this time and i literally go travis your arm's gonna break please and then he finally tapped jesus you, you said i'm that just to, i'm you just said, did some you quick fact said that checking during the
0: fight like you kind of like
2: yeah i was like had my face was right here and I'm like, Travis, your arm's gonna break, bro. I'm like, please. <laughs> wow. Tap.
0: wow. So you're, nice, is, you're you're a nice guy in there.
2: Oh man, <laughs> but I mean, he was like a it's the Iron Man, you know what I mean? There is a respect. Mm-hmm. I had him, I had him dead to rights. I knew he wasn't getting out, so I could say that. There's some 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 situations you don't have you just gotta go for it. And the guy mm-hmm. doesn't tap in time, it's unfortunate, but you gotta go for it. I had him in a situation where I was on top of him. He couldn't move. You know, I was in complete yeah. control, so I like, was able to do that.
1: Yeah, his 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 career record right now is 255, 54, and 10. He has 104 knockouts and 143 submission wins. <laughs> I heard am-
0: yeah, just
1: save ben, those numbers. He only has eight decisions. Out of 255 wins, only eight of them have reached the judges' scorecards.
3: And Ben, uh, like you, he said he he can remember the details of like every fight. So I don't know what it is about you guys. You, uh, you, you guys who go like 50, 60 fights. Uh, I, I have no <laughs> idea how you – or I mean him even more. I don't know how you guys remember that stuff. But I, I will say fact-checking, you are correct. Uh, just for everyone out there, he did fight uh, Travis Fulton the first time in Racine, Wisconsin. Wow. Steel trap. Steel trap. Steel
2: <laughs> trap. I mean, his is more impressive. That's a lot more fights to remember.
1: <laughs> he has more submission wins than fights I've covered live total. <laughs> From Sports Week MMA, I would ask Ben if he's, if when he said to John Annick that we have not seen nothing yet, what oh, did he I mean answered, by it? Well, he answered this, yeah. Oh, this is the Also, question How annoyed was he that Annick didn't let him cut his promo and walk away instead, tried to ask him his <laughs> bland question?
2: Listen, John it caught so much heat for that. Let's not bring him up no more. <laughs> let's put to bed. Let it. Let's let it sleep. So. There you
1: go. Hope we answered your question. Sports talk.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right. <coughs> sports <coughs> week. Say. From Cam Kelly, hashtag the A-Site, at Rothwell Fighter. Cowboy said he sometimes doesn't show up mentally come fight night. Is that something you've ever experienced, and is that feeling something you can train to overcome cheer? So, yes, for those of you who haven't heard, I'll set the scene a little bit. Uh, Donald Sterling recently gave an interview to ESPN saying before his uh, fight against Conor McGregor in January, he was not mentally there. Quote, didn't want to be there which actually echoed the comments that we had Brian Kelleher on the week after the fight. He fought on the same card and also shared a locker room with Cowboy Cerrone before that fight. And he said Cowboy looked like he wasn't even there when he was warming up. So uh, Brian Kelleher called it in January. Cowboy Cerrone confirmed it months later. But Ben, uh, to answer this, uh, Cam Kelly's question, have you ever experienced something like that before a fight?
2: It, i've experienced something where i'm not not myself the, the last andre oloski fight he mm-hmm. found out i had a lung infection you know all oh, they're making excuses i don't make excuses but it is what it is i got diagnosed with lung infection they put me on all sorts of stuff after i had to get x-rays and uh, mri my lungs all that i wasn't myself in the fight i mentally wanted to be there but your body is just not responding and it's a really, it sucks. So if something happens, you know, it's a scary place to be. You just can't be yourself, but you're in this cage. You got to do it. So I can definitely relate what he was feeling. You know, I don't know mentally something could have happened. Uh, Dude, it's such a dice roll. You do all this training and the night of the fight, something can happen. You don't put in the right uh, vitamins and minerals your the things don't function your body's low in magnesium you know like that, that costs you a fight it's definitely a scary thing to happen because you got to go in front of millions of people and, and put your ass on the line
3: but that question you know the other uh, oh sorry go ahead what what go ahead the other interesting thing Soroni said uh was he kind of phrased it like I wasn't cowboy that night. And, and a lot of fighters have, have sort of um, spoken of like an alter ego, you know, when fight night comes around. Right. Uh, Brandon Moreno recently, uh, you know, the, the assassin baby, he recently said like, oh, I'm Brandon Moreno when I'm at home and when I'm training. And when I'm mm-hmm. baby 2.0. And I just kind of, I kind of tune out. Did you ever find any use for having sort of like a, a, a fight persona, like to separate yourself from, you know, your, your civilian life, you know, is there a difference between Ben Rothwell and, and Big Ben?
2: it's like a yes no i kind of like i'm that all the time but you can't be it you can't do that because i'd be trashing society and i'd be <laughs> so i've laid it out to my heart rate when my heart rate breaks a certain level i'm very different and by a fight night when i'm once i get into the cage i'm pretty sure my heart rate is around that and i'm different i'm speak differently i'm just my mind thinks differently and uh i am like a different person but i'm always i'm always that person i don't i don't try to kid i don't lie to myself saying the split personality or anything but there's like a switch i think you've heard it in the past we say there's like a switch it's an intensity you know right now everything's got to be calm and uh, like i said i use the incident in something out on the street you know when something happens someone pushes your wife down in front of you, that switch, you know, there's like something goes on in your head. You're something else. You can't talk reasoning to me. My eye, my my objective, there's one thing that's gonna happen. And when I am that person in the ring, that's when I fight my best.
3: That's a, that's when the big Ben comes up.
1: You you had mentioned uh, in your Andre Olavsky fight that you said like you were mentally there, but your body, may physically, you might not have been able to perform. The way you wanted to. For those of us who have never experienced that, I mean, you're, those remind me of what Tyron Woodley said after his loss to Kamar Usman, he said the whole time he was telling his arms like throw a punch, throw a kick, go for a takedown, but his mind and his body were not working together. Like he he was basically watching himself telling him to do things, but his body wasn't reacting. Uh, so for some, people who have never experienced like that, what's it like being in a fist fight and your body not wanting, not being able to do what you want it to do?
2: A lot of bad emotions, let me tell you, because because you're here and you're a fighter. You can't any anything that you do that results in hey, give me a timeout, oh let me fix this real. Quick. No, it's the fight's over. You quit. So you just do it. You're just like this sucks. This hurts. I make the most of it because uh, there's you're in that situation. You're in that moment, but it really sucks. I know exactly what Tyrone Woodley was feeling. And it can happen to anybody. It can it has? That's what MMA is. That's why having a, that's why Habib is so special. To have a record like his, that just doesn't happen. In most majority of the sport, everybody takes at least a loss because you have that night, that night where you just can't get your mind and body to cooperate. Could be, could be a sickness. Could be a lot of things.
3: Can you think of a night where that happened and yet you still pulled out a win?
2: I would say to a degree, anytime the fight goes a little bit longer, some of that starts happening a little bit of a battle, mm-hmm. say, um, Brandon Vero, the second round, it was like, I was kind of like floating around and not really being myself. And then you see a trigger switch in the third round where I snapped myself out of it. Same thing happened in the Stephen Struve fight. I was basically, he was coasting to a win. People blame the kicks, man. Rewatch or re- what? A bunch of nonsense. Whatever happened is a trigger switch. and That last minute twenty was me being me. That's that's how I need to fight. Hmm. That's when I'm very very hard to stop.
1: Well, thank you so much for the question, Cam Kelly. That was a fascinating answer from a professional. Can we talk player. about this real quick oh,
2: because of oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Acons? What's his name? Steven.
3: Stephen the Steven, announcer A. Smith, yeah. yeah oh, Steven yeah.
2: Smith. Smith knows sports. He goes right away, he rebuttals and says, y'all gonna apologize now? Y'all think I'm crazy? But this doesn't line up, when I when I read that, I go, this doesn't line up with what you originally said, though. What he originally said was far more harsh and not anything related with Cowboy. It wasn't like, Stephen didn't say... Cowboy doesn't look like he's himself tonight. Steven said, "This is an embarrassment." And he quit. I I don't think he he asked for forgiveness and he, but dude, you're you're not even talking the same thing. Your first set of comments were an attack. And it, it, it wasn't any kind of forgiveness. It wasn't any kind of, "Hey, Cowboy doesn't look like himself." No, you call him a quitter and and you're saying things like <laughs> Same thing that like a lot of fighters took offense to is you don't know fighting and you don't know what it's like to be in that cage. So don't act like you know what it's like to be in the cage. You don't until you get in the cage and you understand what that real true pressure is like, having someone across from you that's trying to end you in front of millions of people. It's not like any sport in this entire planet. You have no idea. So to stop trying to pretend like you know you don't. I respect he knows football, dude. He's a great speaker of all these other things. But he really he, it's why Joe Rogan came at him. And he tries, he doesn't he seems like the kind of guy that's always right. He's never wrong. He he can't be wrong. He's always right about everything. That in itself is a huge human flaw. So good luck with that, buddy. You gotta work on that. We're always we all we all can be wrong. You gotta know when you're wrong and learn from it.
3: I love it. I love it. I am not I am not a Stephen A. Smith fan, I will, I will just put that out there. Uh, like like Ben said, you know, all do all respect to the success the guy has, you know, the his persona that he's developed that like you know gets the attention that he wants and has furthered his career. That's great. But I totally agree that he's misinformed about a lot of things, especially about MMA, as uh, as Ben so eloquently pointed out. And uh, thank you for putting him on blast uh, because I think that was well, honestly I think that was very necessary. I'm I'm not a fan of the man's comments at all. Um, not and honestly, not just in regards to
0: MMA, but that's a whole other, that's a
3: whole, that's a whole other, you know, that's a whole other thing.
0: Yeah. We just, uh, we actually just answered that question. We just got this one.
1: Yeah. From at the seaside with Cowboy saying he wasn't himself fighting McGregor and definitely quote, didn't bring it in that fight. Is there any way Conor McGregor fights Habib right after that? Um, Hmm. So this individual just asking about would Conor fight Habib again? I mean, i Sure. Yeah, I guarantee you would fight Habib again. He said it a million times, right? I'm not mistaken, right? He he said he's wanted that fight a
0: thousand times. Connor? The rematch. Yeah. yeah he doesn't want to fight him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, not a bold not a bold statement there. Yeah. I
1: do want to ask Ben oh. something. Um oh. that uh, Rock Roxanne Modifier was on this show last episode and she didn't get to answer this, but someone asked for her input on how fighters view the media and what our roles should be they asked us what we thought our role should be but she they wanted a uh, a question directly from a fighter so as a professional fighter who's done the media days done the press conferences done the scrums done the interviews how do you view the media's role and what do you think our role should be
2: exactly what you guys do it's to spread the word and mm-hmm. the knowledge and to show mma to everyone and to talk about it and to get people to interested in and talk about it. The problem is it's just like fighters. We're not equal. And one, one bad media member doesn't speak for all of the media, but people like to do that. Oh, this person did that. All media is bad. Now it's just, it's such an ignorant way, but people, that's human nature. That's how we've been doing that with everything. Uh, You know, one fighter goes on and does something stupid. So all fighters are bad people now. We know that's not true. So media's it's everything. That's so why I, I don't I've kind of really pulled out the last, you know, three, four years from social media for my own personal reasons. But prior to that, I had a lot of fun with it. And always, even back in the IFL days and prior to that, I always try to do media and interviews because if we don't spread the word, the, the sport won't grow. And uh, people need to know what's going on. So that's why I've always tried to help you guys out and do the best for motor media.
1: So you don't subscribe to the fact that fans are blaming the media for the previous cancellation of UFC 249. We've got for, for I could tweet like, this is what I had for breakfast today. And someone <laughs> will tweet me. Yeah, well, too bad you're not covering 249. Congratulations. I'm like, I didn't even <laughs> say anything. I
2: just said this is what I'm having for breakfast. That social media people get to say just whatever they want, no matter how (laughs) much nonsense it is. So there was no blame for 249. It's we're in a pandemic, you know. You point blame at what? The NBA canceled the season. When that happened, (laughs) I I, I just went. I told everybody what was happening. After was the NBA. It's the most. The March is one of their probably. It's the month they make so much money, so much money was at stake, and they canceled the season. I go, does anybody understand the magnitude of what's happening right now? So, for the UFC to have
0: to cancel a show, it's like, come on. The the I Olymp- have no idea. The Olympics are canceled. The Olympics, the Olympics are canceled, yeah. and that hasn't happened yet. That's still a couple months. away supposed to be a couple of months away. The Olympics are canceled. It's insane. Uh, in, in fairness in fairness
3: uh, to all the trolls out there you know I am a member of the MMA media I may have retweeted something about uh, COVID-19 back then and before you know everything got canceled and then so I, I might be responsible so I again I am part of the MMA media maybe that was my fault at the NBA and the Olympics and everything shut down I shouldn't have retweeted uh, you know that news about COVID-19 I apologize uh, you know again I you know I just don't understand the power that that I and the and the MMA media Amen. have. so I, I'm very sorry uh, ben, from, but for yourself, uh, so I want to ask Ben for yourself, have you, is there, has there ever been um, something written about you in the media or one of you or any story that you like really objected to kind of those frames? like, well, hold on. Like that's, you know, maybe I said that or maybe that's what I did in the fight, but, but that's not fair the way you put it. Has that ever happened to
2: you? It happens. I said something that was completely taken out of context or misquoted in a sense. I, I can't remember. Like I said, it's been a while and it was. You know, we're probably going back 2014, 2015. And Steve Morocco goes, Ben, (laughs) stop reading everything. Stop, stay off the internet. Stop reading stuff because I would, I would call him and I'd be mad. I'd be like, why does this person do this and this and that? And he's like, stop reading everything. (laughs) No, I'm going to keep reading everything. I'm like, I'm in the shadow watching you. So it's happened, but again. Like I said, there's good people, there's bad people. You know, It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't quit because one person messed up. we got to keep going because for the one bad, there's a whole bunch of guys doing a great job, doing a good thing. And uh, that's why we have fans. Without the media, you know, the fans want to interact. They want to talk. They want to have something involved. That's what you guys do. And uh, it brings life to the sport. So super, you're necessary. You're necessary. That's the way it is
3: yeah uh, and hey shout out to the fans as well obviously without without the fans we don't we don't have a job you know obviously i think the fighters i know you guys need fans so uh, definitely you know when we when we t- joke about trolls and stuff i still think that's a vocal minority and i really do think the majority of the fans are, are you know are just good supportive people when it comes to mma and supporting media and supporting fighters like ben from at duke slosh we're all friends Twitter. everyone's friends <laughs> everyone is friends
1: you've touched on it quickly but i'm curious to know what you think is more impressive a one-punch KO or five-round five drubbing? As remarkable as it is when McGregor crumpled Aldo, I'd have liked to see to have seen the rematch to truly answer who was best. So, Ben, what is more impressive, a five-round beatdown or a one-punch KO quickly?
2: Well, it's like a dual question sure. or a dual answer, I'm sorry. There's impressive and there's shocking. Mespidol hitting – askrin it was like both but the shock factor and i think dana white just said it's his all-time high but i remember watching that fight and there's that my jaw was up, and I, though i could hear in the tv the arena was like all the people around me that was watching with me were like wow it was impressive at the same time then to watch later on that he had set it up he was practicing it it's impressive at the same time Someone that gruels out five rounds in an exciting war, you know, how can you not be impressed with that, too? So I I really can't say it's one or the other. Um, I I see I'm impressed by so many things uh, when you see things like that happen in the sport. Um, Guys that have the ability because it's not an accident. You train to have your muscles work that way, to snap that punch just right, to have the accuracy. You know, sure for the fans watching, like man, it was only 15 seconds, but it didn't change the fact that I spent three months in a training camp. So, yeah, I guess I'm I'm impressed by all of it because I know what goes into it.
1: And if you're in the UFC, you get that flash knockout. You're probably going home
3: ex- with uh, that fifty thousand dollars extra. Yeah, oh. some
2: extra money doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh,
3: you know, Ben uses the words uh, uh, impressive. Like, there's a difference between impressive and shocking. I would add uh, informative. I know that sounds like it's, I said, I was so informative. But I, I think um, there's something to, uh, like, Like I, obviously, I'm a big, I'm, you know, I'm Canadian. I'm a huge GSP fan. So, you know, to take my comments uh, with that perspective, I definitely really appreciate sort of a five-round championship defense where, like, the champion shows just how dominant he is, uh, especially against, like, danger, you know, super dangerous opponents. So, for me, I would lean towards a uh, five-round I definitely would lead toward uh, dominant five-round decisions uh, being more "quote unquote" impressive, or like I said, informative, and kind of letting us know like this guy really is the superior fighter. But uh, like Ben said, shocking is another thing altogether. And uh, certainly, when you look at some guys' highlight reels, you can understand why like uh, certain fighters are held in higher esteem than other guys who necessarily always go the distance and things like that. But uh, yeah, I'm on the five-round side of the discussion. Thank you for the question, Duke Sloshy. Up,
1: uh, oh. Alex is frozen. Yeah, oh no, am I back? You're back. Yeah. Uh, oh, another uh, question from Cam Kelly. Uh, hashtag the A side at this day and age, in order to become a top draw in the UFC, do you need the support of a nation? And is that even possible for American fighters? Ireland has Connor. Canada behind GSP, etc. However, most US fighters' uh, support seems to only go city slash statewide. So, interesting question. It does remind me of the comments that Chris Weidman made when it seemed he fought like Anderson, Machida, Belfort. He was fighting all these Brazilians back to back to back to back, and Brazil would really travel to where the fights were happening. And he himself said, If I go fight overseas, America is not following me, but Brazil will follow their fighters. So, Ben, uh, have you? Do you have any thoughts on this? Have you noticed uh, opponents that you fight bring can bring their nation over, but say you go fight overseas, like you did JDS? Wisconsin's probably the state of Wisconsin's probably not following you overseas, right?
2: Right. Yeah, that's the advantage, or the international fighters can get. Uh, they can get a country behind them. Uh, you see it in Ireland. We'll just use Conor McGregor. They like didn't have anything to be excited about. All of a sudden, you got the UFC putting them on a platform, and you see the whole country will get behind a guy or a girl, uh, and it just they become very proud. They have something to be supportive of, and the United States doesn't work that way. Nobody gives a shit, and. You got to just – you got really, to really rise to the top in the United States to kind of – you got to get the world behind you, really. You got to get the attention of everybody. And even then, I don't think you're going to have people flying out to you. Uh, you'll just get them to buy the pay-per-view. John Jones is – okay, he's, he's done some things outside of fighting. He still has a ton of fans. And say those things didn't happen, regardless – I don't think a whole bunch of people are flying if, if, if he even did fly fight internationally I don't think a whole bunch of people will fly over to see him I don't it's just how we are people walk by the people and uh in the other countries it's like they really get behind it and it is impressive and it's like I don't know if it's a soccer thing or if it's just because of the way the other countries don't have anything else but they they really get into it it's like their thing to get into, and uh, the UFC loves it because look at the the that country the pay per view buys for that country explode. So that's why the international market has become so big for them because of that, that happening. They, people get behind a fighter, and uh, it's impressive. It's definitely something that I have to, as as an American fighter, yeah, it's tough. You got to fight against that. You're fighting that is that fight something? Whole nation. Well, is that
1: something you could take advantage of? Like like you could basically become a bigger deal to like you be their guy. They're going to remember you. Like, could you use it as to your advantage? Like you say, the U S doesn't get behind you. You go to like, say Aldo went to Ireland and crumpled him.
2: I went to Ireland. I didn't even get to fight. I just hung out with people there. And man, so much support from Ireland. now. And people are awesome. They are that the dude. Conor McGregor got it made, man, because that country's awesome. They get behind you. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm a bit Irish, but you know I'm not from there. And just being nice, just being there, doing autographs and hanging out with everybody, dude, they're awesome. And so you can win them over. You got to go there and you got to fight for them. And you got to be nice. You got to be a nice person. You got got to be somebody for them to get behind. But it can happen.
1: I think we have a question about that, right, Casey? About Ben in, uh Dublin. Ben and Dublin. Oh, um, or Ireland. Uh, I don't see it, but you can ask old. him. <laughs> I think that was a, a fan uh asked like before this pandemic, were you trying to get on that oh. Dublin card that was supposed to be in August? Yeah, because your right. first Like well,
2: he said he just said he was nice. He's like Ben was really nice. So <laughs> there you go. There you <laughs> go. That's my
1: Uh, another question from Cam Kelly, hashtag the A-side. Uh, Do you think the UFC could be more popular amongst casuals if UFC fighters were paid more and able to be to live more luxurious slash A-list celebrity lifestyles?
2: I don't think so. I'm not a fashion guy, and uh, I think it's a lot of hoopla. Um,
0: yeah. What, what are you wearing today, Ben? What's your fashion? <laughs> <laughs> no, who, who, are you who are you wearing? Who are you wearing, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> well...
2: Oh, that's nice. Honey,
3: honey, I I think. uh, Sorry, guys, I'm breaking up a little bit. I think the question makes more sense if it's it's uh, more asked like you know if you didn't have to worry about. you know, certain, like, I, th- I think worrying about, um, financials is might be an issue for some fighters. I don't know. Um, so if you could just focus solely on training and you know, if you were so well taken care of and so well compensated that you could just solely focus on training, do you think more fighters, do you think it would improve the, you know, the quality of fighters overall?
2: Well, it's tough to say. I think it's individual because <laughs> I, I can't tell people how to spend their money, but I know, I know guys that have made a lot more money than I do. And they don't have what I have now, now that times went by. I own a gym. I told you I have a 700 square foot training facility that my garage turned my garage. Okay. So I don't get to park cars in a garage. But let me tell you during all of this, it's really nice to walk five feet out and have everything I need. And I know guys that are making complaints about not having a place to train, but I'm like, wait a minute. You've made a lot more money than me. Nobody stopped you from making a gym. Hmm. So. It doesn't matter if you give people the money, they're going to spend it. However, yeah, and I was still figuring out ways to do my, you know, have better training, take care of my trainers to have stuff. So, uh, you know, it, you can't, you can't deny that if we get more money, could the guys like me have better training do better? Of course. I just don't see it with a lot of guys because I think they're still going to blow the money on whatever you give them more money. That's more money for them to go blow on the stupid shit. They were going to go do anyway. (laughs) So it's hard. It's hard to say, you know, we all want more money, but what you going to do with the money? Who knows?
1: Yeah. Well, up on time case. Do we have any more questions for Mr. Rothwell?
0: Before we let them um, go, no, we just had kind of general questions about MMA stuff, but nothing for Ben. Like we, I think we've answered most of the fun ones. But um, Alex, yeah, you, you have any more questions?
3: Well, one thing i I wanted to uh, I wanted to see those. I don't know. Can we see one of those swords, Ben? I don't know those, <laughs> those swords. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, sorry for for people who are just listening. We'll we'll try to describe the swords uh, later when when they listen. But for YouTubers, please enjoy this.
2: So this is a folded blade actually uh, this was kind of hard to get you can see the hammond so that's where they put the clay see the wavy lines mm-hmm. see they put clay and it's a differential when they do it's a heat treatment uh so this is actually the old you know this was done the old way this this sword was made in holland but it was done in the old japanese way and it's not not easy to get and come by but so when they did is they put clay and see when they, when they got this metal super hot and they quench it, it creates, that's what creates the difference in the, in the steel. And that's where the, you can see where the metal is. So what it does is it makes this back part very flexible. And then the blade is very hard. If it was all one type, it would shatter. So that's a little bit about samurai swords.
1: <laughs> this is one
2: I'm proud of. super sharp. I'll cut a pig in half. Jesus, oh. <laughs> I don't know why I used a pig. <laughs> I just thought about hanging up a pig and cutting it in half for some reason. So this is one of them. Got another. How many are up
0: there? Yeah, I got
2: four of them up here.
0: You have names for them? Uh, <laughs> well,
2: this one, this one was named. Yeah, there it goes. There's the, the kanji. You see the kanji? There's my camera. Oh yeah. There
0: you go. I see. We see it. Yeah, <laughs> Perfect.
2: So this is the, uh,
3: demon Warblade. blade. <laughs> it's no My joke guess. guys. You, th- you thought, you thought Ben Rothwell couldn't be any more dangerous. You didn't even know. <laughs> you guys didn't know. Um, Ben, we did want to ask, uh, because you know, you, you, you will be fighting in Jacksonville. Uh, what have you heard sort of about uh, safety, safety precautions? Have you have you been tested? Uh, have they told you when you might get tested? What's what's the kind of the general picture there regarding COVID-19 stuff um, ahead of uh, fight week?
2: They sent the email yesterday. It says when we arrive, we're going to be tested. And mm-hmm. we test each day we're there. Uh, from my best of my knowledge, the hotel is completely like bought by the UFC for this period of time. So there'll be no public there. You have to wear a credential apparently just to be on the hotel grounds. They're not allowing anyone uh, outside of licensed people to be there. So, see when we get there. So you
3: feel all right about it?
2: I do. I, from my word, I'm I'm gonna fly now because I heard that airports are safer than a gas station. So, hmm. huh? How, we how many? Have more people Walmart right now than the airport. Hmm.
0: How many people are coming with you to uh, Jacksonville, Ben? Uh, three
2: corners. Three corners. I think that's the average.
1: Well, any more questions, Casey from either you, Alex or YouTube, Twitter, Facebook? You guys
2: better hurry up, man. I don't do this often. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's my first interview this year. I only did one last year, so like, well, we know it's exclusive. We 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 got a couple requests for the laugh. But oh yes. I I I don't wanna Ben's not he's not he's not a he's not a jukebox, you know. I can't just tell no. him just laugh for me, but I want it to come natural.
3: <laughs> he's not a he's not a circus freak. Yeah. You don't just, yeah, you don't just uh, I'm order a him to <laughs>
0: freak <laughs> <laughs> today. <laughs> but uh, uh I just gotta say, Ben, um I miss uh I miss I love watching you fight. I love uh, I think when you fought Josh Burnett, when you did your jig in the in the for the open workouts in the ring for the and like I was like I don't understand. This guy's a star. He can dance. He can he can he's got, he can drop promos. He can fight. And I think you're the whole package, Ben Rothwell. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I appreciate it. We got we got to get back
2: in action, man. I've had some had some time off, and uh, I went through hell, but I came out the other side, and here I am. So let's make the most of this next last couple years I got. Oh.
3: Yeah. Hey, if people want to see him, uh, the Ben Rothwell laugh or the Ben Rothwell jig or, or whatever new move he yeah. plans to break out, uh, May, May 13th. Right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You after May 13th.
2: Night. Tune in May 13th against okay, Oven, St. Pru.
3: Now, before we let
1: you go, is there anything else you want to say to our listeners or fans or anyone else out there?
2: I just appreciate everyone. You know, I really appreciate the fans. Uh, any of the fans that have met me, you know, it. I smile when I take pictures and, uh, you know, feel free. I still, I don't see much on social media, but I'll check it out. So if you guys got questions and things you want to ask me, just hit my Twitter handle, you know, hit it up on Instagram and I'll, I'll try to get back to you. So, you know, like you said, we're here because of the fans. So you guys come first to you know, the reason we get to do this. It'll be sad. It'll be sad to uh, not hear your roar in the arena, but I'll do my best to uh, imagine, imagine that your home's freaking out because that's the kind of show I want to give you.
1: Well said. I don't think we can top that promo right now. But of course, this is Jose. That was Alex. That was Casey. Thank you so much, Ben, for uh, joining us this Friday, the first episode of May, uh, especially because he's in Fight Camp right now. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, all of the podcasts. Uh, But until then, we'll see you on Monday. We're out.
0: listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.